My name is Eva and I'm the host and the founder of the Baltic Startup Mafia podcast. This is your monthly dose of startup stories from three Baltic countries, Latvia, Lithuania and Estonia. And speaking about Estonia, it already at the end of last year announced its leadership in unicorns per capita. Estonians have Skype, Playtech, TransferWise, Bolt and Pipedrive. And now it has already seven unicorns because two more companies have joined this club. And this is what I want to start with. The first one is company Zego. According to TechCrunch, Zego is the insurtech company that uh, got its start by offering flexible motorbike insurance for gig economy workers. Company has expanded and uh, is providing a range of tech-enabled commercial motor insurance products. Zego recently raised $150 million in the C funding round that was led by the London-based company DST Global that gave Zego $1.1 billion valuation and a unicorn status. The other unicorn company is ID.me, a secure digital identity network that has announced it has raised $100 million in a Series C funding round. The company is now valued at $1.5 billion. ID.me simplifies how individuals prove and share their identity online. The ID.me Secure Digital Identity Network has more than 39 million members with over 70,000 new subscribers joining daily, as well as partnerships with 22 U.S. states, multiple federal agencies and over 400 name brand retailers. And if we have started with Estonia, then let's continue with it. Estonian-born energy storage startup Skeleton Technologies has raised another 51 million euro to boost the production of its ultracapacitors. This time, investors are Germany's Federal Ministry of Economic Affairs and Energy and the Free State of Saxony. So, uh, Skeleton can develop new production tech to fully automate manufacturing in its factory that is based in Germany. Ultracapacitors of Skeleton Technologies are based on patented curved graphene to help companies save energy. And one more story from Estonia is about Skoro, startup that has closed a $16.4 million Series B round. Skoro is an award-winning work management software for collaborative teams. Thousands of businesses in 60-plus countries trust Skoro as a scalable solution for increasing margins and data-driven decision-making across all areas of work, from projects and sales to billing and reporting. With uh, this investment, uh, Skoro will continue to enable creative and professional service businesses to increase their productivity and profitability, as well as uh, minimize the distractions caused by overly complicated tech stacks. Okay, that's it about Estonia, but uh, guys, you did a really great job this month. And uh, now let's move to Lithuania. AFIS, uh, the global technology leader in partnerships, management and automation, just announced a Series A funding round worth $8 million. AFIS is a partnership marketing platform for brands, advertisers and agencies to automate and scale their partner relations via all possible performance marketing channels, traditional affiliates, influencers, networks and agencies. The company has offices in Lithuania, Israel, India, China, Belarus and Cyprus and plans to increase its presence in North America by establishing an office in the US.
One more news story from Lithuania is about a 3D model provider CG Trader. The company has raised $9.5 million in Series B funding. Founded in 2011 by 3D designers Marius Kalitis, who is now Chief Operating Officer, CG Trader has become a significant 3D content provider. It even claims to be the world's largest. In its marketplace are 1.1 million 3D models and 3.5 million 3D designers. Unlike photos, 3D models can also be used to create both static images as well as augmented reality experiences, so that users can see how a product might fit in their home. The company is also looking to invest in automating 3D modeling, customer service, as well as asset management processes with artificial intelligence. Two more news stories in this podcast episode, and they are both from Latvia. This time, both from the fintech industry. Jeff App, the Latvian fintech startup providing a data-enabled loan brokerage platform for unbanked customers in Asia, has closed a $1 million financing round led by Estonian Business Angels Network Syndicate. The funds will be used to launch new products and fuel growth in Vietnam, their first market, before expanding into further countries in Southeast Asia. There are more than a billion unbanked people in Asia who struggle to access financial services as a result of the limited amount of available traditional financial data. JFAP tackles this issue by consolidating the demand and aggregating alternative data from those seeking financial services. This is achieved by integrating with a continuously growing number of data sources, using anonymized smartphone metadata and analyzing behavioral patterns. And the story from Latvia I want to focus this time is about Zelf. It is a Latvian fintech startup creating a messenger-based neobank for Gen Z. Company has raised $2 million in a pre-seed funding round. Zelf brings financial services directly to instant messengers like Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, Telegram and Viber. The company claims it takes less than 30 seconds to receive a virtual MasterCard and IBAN account. I was talking to the Zelf founder and CEO, Elliot Goikman, and you can listen to our conversation further in the podcast. One thing that I would like to add, Zelf is a startup that is a proof of startup visa program efficiency. In our conversation, Elliot tells a story on how he decided to move his company to Latvia and what it takes to build a fintech solution for Gen Z. So uh, thanks for joining, Elliot, uh, uh, Baltic Startup Mafia podcast. And um, uh, I always start with uh, one simple question. Please pitch your startup. All right. Zelf is a bank in messengers that allows people without downloading any apps or without getting the plastic or metal card in the mail or via courier to get a card within 30 seconds in their phone add it to their wallet and to start using right away. We are really minimizing the friction in the process of onboarding, but we're also making our financial system much more inclusive because people who are not able to download and install apps because of the limitations of their phones or that are not able to receive a plastic card are still able to be a part of the financial ecosystem. Okay, but how does it really work? Uh, what should uh, what I have to do to... Uh, use Zelf. So um, since uh, since I mentioned that it's banking messengers, what, what people do is in the process of onboarding, they connect to a so-called chatbot, 
which is programmatic interface on the back end on our servers that that speaks to the person through the messages like it would be a regular person giving them an interface with buttons or with text or even with voice and then executing that command on behalf of the user through the bank so you're most likely familiar with the chinese instant messenger called wechat and they do have a wechat pay application as a part of wechat so WeChat Pay is a good example. You are interacting with the chatbot the, with the messenger, but you are able to send money, you are able to request money. So this is the very similar idea, but we went several steps further. We said that we want to be platform agnostic, meaning that you will be able to interact with our bank through WhatsApp, Facebook, Viber, Telegram, you name it. We, we support also WeChat and Line. We just haven't rolled it out into production just yet. We are making it not on the proprietary wallet wallet like uh, WeChat has done that, but on a standard banking product, which would be Visa or MasterCard and account with an IBAN that you are able to receive transfers into and basically becoming a part of the globally connected system already. How does it work uh, technically for you? What is, uh, what is in there? Technically for user, you mean? Well, how this integration is possible. Okay, all right. Uh, most of neo banks that exist, they, they work on top of a bank as a service platform. It means that we have found a partner. And in Europe, there are quite a few banks that specialize in that. Uh, one of the uh, famous or infamous, for example, was, was Wirecard. Then was Salaris Bank in Germany. In France, it's Trezor. There is Modular Bank, etc. So uh, we have located a partner. In our case, it's Trezor. We have become their agent, and, and basically in this agency relationship, Trezor is issuing cards with our brand. Uh, these customers are our customers de facto, but de euro that they are the customers of, of Trezor. And we are issuing cards and adding them to the wallets with, with our branding, and we are managing the customer relationship where all the bookkeeping, all the custody of funds is done by, by the bank as a service platform. So in our case, we needed to integrate our back office and our back end to, the, to our bank as a service platform partner, Trezor, and to integrate our front end systems to, to various messengers to, to have a certain type of relationship with those messengers that we are authorized to be a chatbot and, and a business account in let's say WhatsApp and Facebook. That's how that integration works from the bank as a service platform to the to the front end system which sits in messengers what those uh, tech giants are saying about that uh, what are your relationships with them it's a very good question first uh, some some investors or some some experts in the industry they they cast some doubts that for example facebook would not allow that because everybody understood that facebook as owners of both Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp, they, they would eventually want to, to create their own banking system or their, their own uh, payment platform, and that they would start blocking the competitors. But A, that is not the case. B, some of the attempts of Facebook to launch their own 
token for payment platform uh, called Libra was was shut down in, in the United States. So because of that, for for Facebook, which is really our primary channel, because uh, again, it, it comprises both Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp. Because of that, for them, having us on their platform is actually a revenue generating uh, event because they receive payments for some messages that we send. They receive the the payments for the marketing and the promotion of of our pages on on Facebook. So because of that, I I think it's a win-win. There were some doubts uh, in in the beginning, and we were pretty confident that it would never come to a shutdown because Facebook using their dominant position in the market would be be running a risk of anti-monopoly suit. And because of that, they, they would not shut a competitor like us. You have been working in different banks previously. I uh, have a quite huge experience. Why did you left? There, there were a number of factors uh, that they were leading to that. I think one of the things that, that led me to that decision was that, A, I had prior uh, entrepreneurial experience prior working to banks. And even for a big part of my career in the United States, yes, I was working for the banks, but I was working uh, on behalf of my own consulting company. So even though we were in a sort of outstaffing situation it was always uh, an entrepreneurship experience for me it was it was building building a, a product or a platform that would not be banks but would be licensed to those banks so a it was i think a desire to to return to that experience but b is i saw that for some of the big banks it's really hard to execute some of the innovative approaches uh, because for big banks, uh, sometimes they're, they're comfortable with risk when it comes to, to credit card, so sort of deposit and credit risk. But when it comes to risk of innovation, they're, they're a little bit like, it's a, it's a little bit of deer in headlights. It's like they, they freeze because they intuitively want to see the proof that somebody else has done it successfully, and then we will do it. So until somebody else has done it successfully for them, they, they don't see enough proof in the market. And because of that, they, they feel that that if you are ahead of your time, it's a, it's a stupid idea. So, uh, and I think that that's what happened, that, that we tried to partner with a couple of major banks to really bring our idea in partnership to fruition. And for various different reasons, it didn't go through. And then we said, you know, I think we, we have to do it on our own. And then you did it. <laughs> Correct. Thank you. How do you see the role of banks in the future? There, there are a lot of discussions, and uh, I still believe that there will be a place for all of us. But how it will work in the future? What do you think? You know what? I think that that actually this mantra, place for all of us, and there is enough fish in the ocean for everybody. I might not agree with that when it comes to banks. I think uh, Bill Gates said it the best when he says that people don't need banks, they need banking. So we do need banking services, but we don't need a a specific bank per se. The more regulatory uh, pressure goes to to opening up APIs for the bank, the PSD2 in in Europe, the next directive that is going to bring payment initiation to, to various interfaces will make banks even more as a service or as a sort of infrastructure pipe rather than the specific interface that the person needs to connect to. And with the with the effect of the coronavirus, 
some of the smaller banks that exist in the market that previously depended on actually pedestrian traffic on people coming to the branches. Now that people's patterns are changing, I feel that it will be really tough times uh, ahead for, for the smaller banks and for the bigger banks that haven't embraced the digital yet. So because of that, I feel that the role of banks will be just a facilitation of payments and competing on ability to really count the credit risk. And then fintechs and company like, like ours will be the differentiating factor on, on actually customer acquisition. That's where our customers will go for customer loyalty, for various uh, programs, just because they like the idea or the brand. We see more environment savvy fintechs coming to the market with the ideas of sustainability, with ideas of green tech and and sometimes even cars made of wood. I don't particularly approve this idea because I feel that it's more of a marketing ploy, but still I feel that the role of banks will will be shrinking. It will be it will be going to really competing on the credit risk calculation and the smaller banks will die, the the ones that are not tech savvy and that dependent on a lot of people coming to their physical branches. What's your connection with Latvia? Uh, because uh, you are not native Latvian. That, that, that's, that's very true. Our company is based in the States. And when we, when we realized that the first market that we want to launch in is Europe, we started to identify where should we incorporate our entity in, in, in Europe. And uh, I think it's a great compliment for Latvia that when we were considering both Luxembourg and Latvia, we even though... Luxembourg has really a lot of experience with, with fintechs and with startups. They have great ecosystems. They have very wonderful availability even of, of high-ranking officials to connect to and to discuss various questions. We as a startup felt that uh, from the speed and cost, Latvia was on top. And I think in quite a few ratings of ability to start quickly and start doing business, uh, Latvia was in one of the leading places. We do have a lot of problems with the Latvian banks uh, for uh, well-known reasons of Latvian banks having problems with some money laundering, et cetera. But uh, I think in sectors other than banking, I think Latvia is, is a great place to, to incorporate for, for the EU. So you are satisfied with the choice? I'm satisfied with the choice, but I feel that we're limited in our ability to execute because of the problems that we're having with Latvian banks. Because of that, some of our operations, some of our financial transactions, we had to to bring back to our headquarters in, in, in the States because of the of the problems that we have encountered in the Latvian banking system. We're not doing anything even remotely tricky. We're not we're not holding uh, our customers' funds. There's it's basically payments to our providers. So I hope that if anybody from let's say LIA or from organizations that have to, to do with with making Latvia a better place for doing business, I hope they, they reach out and I will be able to share with them the, the details. Have you considered uh, to move uh, to move away somewhere? Right now, when we are still in the in the coronavirus era, uh, I think that where you physically sit is not really that important. So. Um, because of that, uh, we we could be sitting in Riga, or we could be sitting several thousand of kilometers apart. And since most of our business does not involve actually meeting face to face, but it's all digital these days, 
I feel it's it's not really that much pressure. So it really the convenience of being able to do the business, being able to interact with all regulatory entities, etc., that really sets countries apart these days. For example, Lithuania has done a great uh, great job on uh, building a conveyor for applications for for banking licenses and e money licenses, and because of that. Quite a few startups and well-known and well-funded companies have chosen Lithuania to do business. So I think it, just like we talked before about fintechs being the differentiating factor for where people will do will do banking in future, the same way each country at this point of time is starting to reinvent what are we bringing to the market or to the global market that, that will set us apart from other countries since everything is digital. And in future, you'll be able probably to open a company in a number of clicks and submit all of your documentation. What is different about you? How are your taxes different? How is your banking environment? How is your quality of life? Uh, what is your vaccination situation, etc.? What about Estonia, as they are uh, our uh, the loudest neighbor, I would say? They were one of the loudest neighbors when it came to digital residency and they have a lot of experience with crypto. So just like I told you about the differentiating factor and that country find their specialty, they, there are quite a few interesting crypto projects that have found home in Estonia. Obviously, quite a few of the ICOs, they, they end up being scammed. So they will need to really go with a fine tooth comb and to really weed out this scam from the legitimate businesses. But I think that there was, so thank you for pointing out, Estonia was one of the good examples of them specializing in, in tokenization and regulatory of tokenized operations. And uh, do you have uh, physically people sitting in, in Riga, in Latvia, or uh, everything is uh, remotely around the world? We, we do have part of our team in Riga. It's not a big part yet. We were planning to expand before the coronavirus hit, but right now, because of, of the coronavirus, the, the, the priority of, uh, of hiring physically in Latvia or, or anywhere physically uh, diminished. And because of that, we're we're going for the best candidates rather than for geographic preference. But I, I think that if some of the things with uh, with banking would be simpler. It would also be easier for us to hire locally. Sorry, I'll have to go in some of details. That we're even having trouble sending payment from, or not not even payment, but uh, but uh, sending funds from the headquarters to the child company in Latvia, even though that the child company is a hundred percent subsidiary of of an American company. There's just like too too many roadblocks happening, and because of that, there would be a problem paying. Uh, payrolls. So I think that needs to be solved on really the, the government level because, yes, if I were a Latvian citizen and I was opening, a, let's say, a bakery or, 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 a, or a haircut salon, I understand I wouldn't have these problems. But the idea is that Latvia needs and, uh, and wants to, to attract uh, really the, the high-tech business, the high-volume business, not just like small and micro business of the mom and pop shops. And they need to, to be able to deal with international clients without creating roadblocks on, in their business. What do you think about the situation after pandemic? Uh, how much work will be done uh, physically on the spot and how much will remain um, 
remotely? It's a really good question. And um, I think it partially has to do with how the vaccination process will proceed, how the, the antibodies that, that people develop, how, how long they stay in people's, uh, people's organism and, and how, we'll, we'll, how often those vaccinations or revaccinations will need to happen. I really want those small cafes and coffee shops and small restaurants uh, that exist to, to survive. And, and obviously, they probably have been hit the, the, the hardest during the pandemic because the, the, there is no way for, for them to quickly change that into the conveyor production and, and, and delivery. And, and it really feels great to, to go with your friends to, to sit down somewhere, uh, in, let's say, in, in old Riga and, and to, to enjoy your meal. But I think that majority of businesses that did not depend on physical presence or physically meeting with clients in the office will, will be shifting much more to all remote because that would allow people to, to cut down on office space, on rentals. It would allow people to cut down on their travel time. They will be spending more time at least side by side with their family. Yes, the, the patterns will change, but I think that there is no going back to, to the life as it was before. Coming back to self, how far are you? What, uh, what have you reached uh, by now and what are your next milestones? The, the most important two milestones that we have reached so far was actually launching new bank in Europe, meaning that customers in France are able to receive our cards and they are able to, to go through verification to really remove limitations of the cards that they get initially. Uh, we um, we have su- successfully started the process of uh, of attracting customers, meaning that we have created the processes for, for customer acquisition with a customer acquisition cost that is magnitude lower than our competition because of the simplicity of our onboarding and because of our target audience uh, that that really likes that that new technology and new approach. So the first milestone is actually launching the new bank, getting uh, a lot of early adopters. We have several tens of thousands of customers in, in France actively using cards and also demonstrating low customer acquisition costs. That's the first milestone. And the second milestone was actually receiving uh, the first uh, round of funding. It was a pre-seed round of $2 million. And we're really excited that not only we, are, we have built something new, exciting, and our customers like, but also we see the support from, from, the, uh, from the investors that share our vision, that share the, the ideas that we have, and that are willing to support us in this journey. So these are the two most important milestones. What is interesting about your brand is this uh, focus on Gen Z. Uh, and you are emphasizing every, uh, everywhere this, this focus. Uh, why is it so? Why you chose this uh this uh, generation gen z is the is the youngest uh, generation that is currently doing payments this is one of the biggest generation uh, in terms of proportion to other ones and by 2031 or 2035 i don't remember exactly they will be the highest paid and also highest spending uh, c- customer base so when when you think of what customer group you should target you should think several steps or several years ahead. And because of that, we said that not only they are the, the future and they are the, the generational group that is influencing all of the spending and all of the, all of the marketing at this point of time, 
but uh, but it's also the youngest one and because of that the the highest percentage of that group is unbanked at this point of time since they are young and they are either have not entered or will be entering workforce it means that they they haven't gotten their their bank account or maybe they haven't chosen what will be their bank account so so to speak for life so we want to to take that place and we feel that since quite a, a few of them are unbanked or do not have stereotypes about what banking should be they're perfect for us but they're also perfect because when they when they grow up they mature when they go to to workforce it might be they will be actually the generational group that never experienced working in the office or working full time for somebody because they will be working a series of projects or series of gig gig jobs etc so uh, that these these were the reasons why have we have chosen them i read that uh, you are also planning to launch new products uh, for example loans can can you tell a bit more about that Absolutely. Uh, we we do not want to be just a card. Uh, we don't, and especially we don't want to be just a debit card. Going a little bit into the the unit economics uh, in, in Europe, it's pretty hard to to be profitable just with a debit card product, and that's why Revolut, N26, Starling, and and other startups that do not have any kind of loan facility, they're they're not profitable yet. So we feel that that is it's absolutely important to to get to your customers' ability to borrow. Uh, sometimes it could be just advance uh, advance payment of their salary. So once we know their salary patterns, we would be able to say, hey, since we know that you are receiving that that payment, let's say once a mo- once a month, we can make it, uh, let's say weekly payments, and the person would pay. A small percentage for that service, but for them it would be convenience of not having to wait a month to receive the next payment. There are quite a lot of other functions that our target audience and and customers in Europe really need, like the, for example, brokerage, insurance, and one of the reasons why we do not have bank in our name is because we we want to to become sort of the artificial intelligence assistant for various areas of of, of person's life whether it's finance, where it's doing freelance work and issuing invoices for your work or buying or selling shares of stock or, or insuring your apartment, your, your car. So basically you are recreating this concept of, of the bank, of, of uh, previous generations have known it as a bank and now you are recreating this, uh, this service. Correct. We're trying to be like, like you know, the... the uh, Iron Man, he had like the artificial intelligent uh, assistant called Jarvis that that he was basically giving commands on various uh, on various topics. This is how you can sort of imagine the future of people interacting with with their assistants. So it it doesn't necessarily have to be banking. It can be in various areas. It can be even concierge service theoretically, theoretically, because when when we are talking about paid accounts for our customers and some of our customers will will be using that for for micro business and one one of the great facilities that we could offer is actually the concierge service so if somebody needs to to find something out to book flight or a table at a restaurant the artificial intelligence uh, assistant will be able to do that and Elliot what about you where are you located and uh, do you enjoy this uh, remote time 
since uh, for the big part of uh, of my career, I was working either from from my home office or from the client's location. I'm actually quite comfortable working both from home and from an office. Uh, currently, I'm in Moscow, Russia. That this is where where a big chunk of our uh, IT team uh, is located. Um, unfortunately, right now to travel to to Riga, it would be would be pretty complicated. I think I would need to take three flights, but I'm really looking forward to coming back to Riga. There's a place waiting for me there. But uh, I think I think I'm pretty comfortable working remotely. Okay, and what about other aspects of life? Um, do you miss friends and um, opportunity to go to different places, restaurants, theaters, anywhere? Surprisingly, in Moscow, the the lockdown has not uh, been pretty pretty bad recently. But uh, since I was very busy with our development work and with with our fundraising and with quite a lot of things that that we need to do in business, I, I would say that I didn't have much uh, much free time to to really uh, start missing my friends. But we 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 do meet uh, periodically and we we conduct uh, some sometimes even. The, even Zoom sessions with friends, like uh, getting together, just chatting and seeing seeing each other. So yes, uh, obviously it doesn't doesn't fully replace the personal touch, but I think it's the second best. And we with the, with our team, uh, since we're not working in the offices anymore, we we do conduct daily phone calls with the cameras, so we still see each other. We still joke. We see each other's facial emotions because of that. I think that we are we we're trying to compensate the lack of the physical presence with some of the video feed. Okay, thank you, Elliot. I hope uh, to meet you in person someday. Likewise, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, I wish you uh, good luck with with um, with the project. Excellent. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me. Really appreciate you giving us the time to to share a little bit more about Zelf. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Wash hands, wear masks, and stay healthy. I will talk to you soon. My name is Eva, and I'm the founder and the host of the Baltic Startup Mafia podcast. 